the Spirit of the Lord is upon us. And though our choir has maybe half the voices they normally have, and our pews have so many empty places, and we talk about how cold it is and how many people in the church are not feeling well. I had my heart warmed this morning when our visitor from Vermont said under her breath, it's not cold here. (laughs) It's not cold here. The Spirit of God warms our heart that even you can, in this day of mourning, the Spirit of comfort will be upon you. And the joy of celebration at our family members, including Sandy's daughter who's here. What a delight that is. For everyone here for the first time, for regulars, what a joy to be in the house of God. At the conclusion of Advent, preparing for what? For Christmas. It's almost time. It's almost time. Let us pray. Loving God, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for preparing our hearts and spirits through worship and study. We thank you for the celebration of Christmas. We have been waiting, anticipating, and joyfully, and joyfully preparing. Be with us now that we might on this day Receive from you whatever you have for us. For you know our hearts. You know where we are. You know where we are tired. Or where we are concerned or overwhelmed. And you meet us in those moments. You meet us with the joy of Christmas. In Jesus' name, amen. We have many Christmas traditions, do we not? On this day, the day before Christmas, I think if I were to survey all of you and say, what was like in your households and growing up? What was Christmas Eve like? We would probably have as many different stories as we have people here. But in addition to that, each one of us in our lives, the traditions of Christmas Eve from year to year change. We do certain things in our household, anticipating a a, a wonderful day. But I'm thinking back to when I was a little boy. Christmas Eve was a lot different. And maybe that's because my mom had said this. On Christmas Eve, you can open up one present. It changed the whole day for me. We... At at our church, we went to the elementary school because they had a stage, and we had either either the church pageant or the church play. And most of the time, uh, there were adults acting out a play. And as a little kid, I mean, Cecil B. DeMille couldn't have done a better job. That was so exciting. And then from the church play, we'd go to Grandma's house, where all my uncles and aunts and cousins, we all gather, and there were pastries there that we didn't see the rest of the year. There were pastries there and hot drinks, and it was a wonderful time to get together. And then after that, we'd go home, and sitting there in front of the lit Christmas tree, we would open our one present. 
made the mistake one year while we were with grandma and grandpa and uncles and aunts. I said to mom, mom, you know, I I think we've seen everybody. I think maybe it's time to go home. (laughs) I nearly didn't get my one gift that year. But it's been a busy time. There's an expression I heard this year that I've not heard before. It's hallow thanksmas. Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas. That the seasons blend into one another. That even before Halloween, the Christmas things are out in the stores. But for us in the midst of that, like that child anticipating the first gift, This is an occasion for us to stop and think about the gift that we receive from God. The gift of Christ. The gift of the Holy Spirit that brings comfort. That brings joy at the gathering of family members. That celebrates being in church. That looks back to the story of Mary and understands just who Jesus was. And for us, that makes it a reflection and question of just who Jesus is for us today. Now, I grew up in Southern California and then have lived uh, all of my adult life in Arizona. So I don't know what it's like to be on the 24th of December and have it snow. But last night at the Sabbath service, I surveyed those folks and I said, how many of you have lived at a place where on the 24th it may have snowed and you had a white Christmas? Every hand went up in the place except for two of us. So you know this story which I just read about. And the story is about how many of you who've grown up in places where there is snow know what snow cream is. And I'm told, and, and if I get this wrong, I'm sorry, I, I'd wear a Hawaiian shirt on Christmas. You go out and get a bowl of freshly fallen snow, the pure snow that had fallen the night before, clean. And you get the snow and you put a little bit of vanilla on it. You put a little bit of milk on it. You put a little bit of sugar on it, and you have snow cream. My wife and daughter, their eyes are big. We've never heard about this. But I am told that people do this. And when I read about this, what amazed me was the instructions were quite clear. It had to be freshly fallen snow, clean and fresh from the night before. And this would make for the best snow cream. In Psalms 51.7, it talks about how the love of God, the Christ of Christmas, brings to us opportunity to discover our purpose in life. We learn about forgiveness of sins. We learn about being clean and pure in the eyes of God. We learn about with God we become righteous in spite of who we are and what we're like. The gift of Christmas 
is that God transforms us in spite of who we are into being instruments like freshly fallen snow. When you say, Lord, forgive me, come into my heart, help me, be with me as I struggle, be with me in life, we are made clean and pure through no act of our own, only receiving what God has given to us. So you say, as simple as that is, how is it that we ended up with all the hustle and bustle of hallow thanksmas? Now, Hannah's school is directly straight shot from the church in my office going down Bell Road. So when she gets out of cheer practice and I go pick her up, I go from the church down Bell Road and Bell Road is a reminder of the busyness of the season. Is it not? I was there yesterday confessing. How did this come about? The early church, when it was basically centered around the Mediterranean Sea, uh, celebrated the birth of Christ, but not like Christmas, not like we do. It was just one day among many as part of the, the rituals and tradition of the church. It wasn't until the church expanded and moved north into Europe where there were many pagan traditions and and traditions centered around the winter season. And as the new people of faith were discovering in Europe, there was much opposition to the Christian faith. The year 380 AD, Pope Julius I made a declaration. He said, we're going to quit celebrating Christmas not Christmas, I'm sorry, the birth of Christ, as it were, on May 20th, we are now going to celebrate or or recognize the birth of Christ on December 25th. Because in Northern Europe, there was this festival, this tradition, a tradition of chaos and immorality surrounded around the deity of Saturn Ilia. And, and so the Pope said, we need inroads into that, that faith. We will take the birth of Christ and recognize it on December 25th in the midst of those other traditions and get an inroad into faith. And that's exactly what they did. The church officially changed the day that they would uh, recognize the birth of Christ made inroads into the European community, and in spite of all their hustle and bustle, the story of Jesus and the birth of Christ would evolve to Christmas as we know it. And so for us, perhaps the hustle and bustle of the season has been an opportunity to share Christ, to anticipate the celebration of Christmas. I can't tell you how many clerks in stores who have said to me, happy holiday, when I respond back by saying, oh yes, thank you, and and Merry Christmas. It almost gave them permission to say back to me, oh yeah, yeah, Merry Christmas. Gave them permission to say that 
the Christian faith, the birth of Christ, is central. It's central to us. Let me close with this story. One of our church members, Jane Quinn, stopped by the office this week. And she said, do you have a minute that I can share a story with you? And, and she told me the story of her mother-in-law, who they called Mama Quinn. How Mama Quinn, when she was 60 years old, and they were in Japan for a short period of time, at 60 years old, she decided she was going to climb Mount Fuji. And the family has a picture of Mama Quinn on Mount Fuji with a walking stick and a scarf wrapped around it as she was on the mountaintop taking her picture, a very difficult hike. And she did that at age 60. Well, Mama Quinn has, has long since passed on, but that picture has remained a, an inspiration for the family. Mama Quinn's granddaughter, who was a marathon runner, very fit, on a trip to Japan, wanted to honor her grandmother by hiking Mount Fuji. And so the hiking stick, no one could find after Mama Quinn's death. Someone in the family took it, but they had the scarf, the same scarf that Mama Quinn had wrapped on her stick. And so granddaughter decided she was going to climb Mount Fuji. And she did. She made that trip. She bought a new walking stick, put the scarf on it. And when you climb that mountain, when you reach a certain level, there's a Japanese man there who for a certain fee will brand on your walking stick, your wooden walking stick, a certain symbol that you can only get at that spot and at that height. You go up a little further to the next little summit, there'd be another person. You pay them, they brand your stick, and your stick has the record and the proof that you climbed the mountain. Granddaughter got to a point where it began to rain. So all the hikers, and there were a long line of hikers, set down their backpacks, took out their rain gear, put on their rain gear, and continued on. And she was saying the altitude, uh, the, the, the hike was difficult. She walked about an hour more when she realized that when she set down her pack, she set down her walking stick and the scarf. And here on Mount Fuji, she began to cry. She began to cry, not having her grandma's stick and not being able to go back and retrieve it. And then she heard some voices speaking in Japanese. There were men calling out to others. And, and she looked to see what the commotion was. And this long line of hikers coming down the mountain, they were passing up the stick. One person at a time saying, this stick belongs to somebody up ahead. And they were passing the stick on until granddaughter finally retrieved it. And she took a picture on the top of Mount Fuji with her stick, her grandma's scarf. And for that family, Jane was sharing, that, that story has always been one of, of inspiration. And they have a saying, when things are tough, remember to pass the stick. When things are rough, remember to pass the stick.
Brothers and sisters, we have been awaiting the celebration of Christmas. We have a story to tell to a world that doesn't know our story. Let us remember this year and in years to come that when we share with family and friends and do things and create our own memories and create our own traditions to always include at the forefront the Jesus born in a manger, the Jesus who makes us clean as freshly fallen snow, the Jesus who helps us with our daily struggles. Let us pass that on because the stick to us, that story, has been our encouragement, our new beginning. What a joy to welcome the celebration of Christmas. Amen.